0: Well, my friends, it's that time again. Through no fault of my own, that is, but it's still time nonetheless. Time to move on. Time to move forward. Time to take action. Time to try something new, again. I've been accepting peace in my heart. In my soul. Whether or not those two things even exist anymore, I have tried to draw peace and calm into them, even as they cry out for chaos and discord. No. I've whispered gently to my heart. This is for you now. Peace and quiet. Far away from those who mean you harm. Live, and live well, and let them live. I have tried. Please remember that. Time to try something new. Again. Isn't that exciting, though? I hear them outside. A clamor of battle cries and swords clashing over the cliff, above the sea a great and terrible sound of wings and of incorrect, falsely righteous judgment. Anyway, what will I do? Should I fight? Should I fly? Should I surrender? Should I hide? What do you do when others come and claim that what you are, what you know to be true and right, What you stand for by the sheer power of your existence is wrong. When the sheer fact of what you are, the very nature of that existence, is threatening to someone else. Even if you leave them alone. Even if you just want to be left alone. I wonder... You know, the injustices that have been done to me have, in the past, caused me to be vengeful and angry, and yes, that has caused others to take notice of me. I have tried my own kind of judgment and justice, and even when I am good and kind and peaceful and quiet, they still take notice, for I am still an affront to what they believe. What do I do with that? Tell me. I'm listening. I hear you. I shall stay here and tell you a story. For now. I have many powers. I have much that I am able to do. But my strongest, by far, is the ability to tell you a story. And so, that is what I will do. I will tell you a story. It is the story of a creature who somehow found herself at war with the world. She lived alone on a very tiny island in a very vast ocean, all alone with only a cave to hide in and cruel, sharp, immense rocks that surrounded her like great teeth jutting out of the sea, like the mouth of a giant shark emerging from the deep, always about to swallow her island up. How long had she been here? she could no longer recall. How had she gotten here? That was a strange and distant memory as well. I can tell you that she was once a woman, a kind and peaceful young woman, who needed to escape her homeland in favor of safer shores. She couldn't recall the reason that she needed to leave, but she had no one's help and she came from a land where escape was no easy feat for a woman alone. And so she had committed some small trespass, disguised herself, falsified her identity, perhaps hidden away on an ancient ship, something of the like. And oh, my dear friends, she was discovered. She was discovered aboard a ship where she was not welcome. Was it that they believed a woman on board was bad luck? Was it that she hadn't paid for passage? Was it that she had stolen even a few rations for her own? Or was it merely that cruelty had taken over the ship and worked its will on the men who sailed it? Again, she could not recall. She did not want to recall but the story goes that she endured something terrible. Some say that she was cursed by the goddess of hearth and home for leaving her family. Others say it was the god of the sea who fell in love with her, and whose affection she spurned. Some say she was attacked and tortured by the ship's crew as punishment for her being a stowaway. Either way, she found herself marooned on this terrible, barren little island where her human loveliness was slowly twisted and turned into something monstrous and vile. Something with strange, crooked feathers lining her arms which were far too long now. Something with long index fingers that curved like hooked talons. Something with three giant toes on each foot, and long, strange legs that bent like a bird's. Her jet-black hair hung from her head in the same large black feathers that lined her strange arms, and her eyes had the empty depth of a crow's. Her body was covered in black, shimmering scales, too, clothing itself in a kind of snakeskin. She was a horrific combination of woman, reptile, and bird, and yet something that was unlike all of these a thing that was monstrous and strong that could no longer remember its name, and all alone. That is mostly alone. For you see, she was there for so long, so much longer than a human's lifetime, and she would often encounter ships passing by. And although so many years had passed since she found herself here, the ships were only crewed by men, And when she saw them with her keen eyes, and heard their shanties with her sharp ears, it filled her broken heart with a kind of rage and terror that she couldn't abide. And so she would sing to them. One might find beauty in the sheen of her feathers, or the strangeness of her face. The deceptive, bird-like innocence in her eyes, or the strength in the claws of her feet? I certainly did, but most might not. Objectively, however, I can tell you that the only sweet thing left in her, the most beautiful thing about her, was her voice. Though pain drove her to sing to the ships she saw sailing by, The sound that came from her throat was pure, gentle, seductive, and irresistible. If violence was in her thoughts or in her heart when she sang, no one could tell. For the men crewing the ships would be so drawn in and enchanted by her song that they would head right for her island. By what power their hands seemed to steer them of their own volition... Neither they nor she knew. But it was what it was, and it was their doom and her vengeance. For what would happen once they reached the shore? Did they ever reach the shore? The jagged, shark-toothed rocks that jutted out all around her island were decorated with ships. Ships upon ships upon ships stuck in among the rocks, some from hundreds of years ago, others not quite so long ago. Some were crashed into another ship, while some were only just barely visible, just peeking out from under the water. Of course, the story has different tellings of itself here as well. Some said she ate the sailors who crashed into her island. Others say that she kept them in cages and fed them and made them sing for her, like little birds themselves. I have seen the island, and I can tell you that I saw no cages nor piles of human bones. But I did see empty supply barrels, coins, jewels, precious cargo, and other things one might find on a traveling ship. She did depend on the contents of these ships to live on, for food and drink, but she also enjoyed decorating her little place with pretty things she found on board them. Like a magpie, she couldn't resist beautiful things. And who could blame her? Perhaps she hoped that if she had enough of them they would juxtapose the ugliness of her island, the hideousness of what had happened to her. This, of course, wasn't possible, but she kept collecting anyway. No one knew what had happened to the crews of these ships. Perhaps, just like in the stories of pirates and cursed treasure, they are still on the ships, just skeletons clutching the ship's wheel, still wearing torn shirts and faded hats, keeping watch in the crow's nest. Some may be tied to the mast with beeswax in what were once their ears in a futile effort to resist the call of the siren on the island, just as the myth we all know goes. Perhaps they leaped into the sea to avoid facing her. Perhaps they fought her and lost, but she still reigned over her island, and she still called ships to her. I shall tell you about one particular ship. She sat, perched on the highest rock, her great feathered arms wrapped around her. The day was clouded, and rain fell hard on her island. She didn't feel it at all. Her eyes were closed, and she somehow slept even as the water from the sky fell hard against her face and the waves from the sea crashed roughly against her legs. The sun was behind the clouds that were so thick that it almost seemed to be nighttime. She was woken up by the sound of men shouting directions at one another, frantically trying to fight the storm. Her eyelids opened as quickly as a bird's do, going instantly from deep slumber to complete alertness. She turned her head sharply in the direction of the sound. She saw them. And the feeling churned and bubbled in her gut, burning and awful. It rose up in her chest, causing her to grimace. And it climbed up her throat, sticking there for a minute, and she fought it hard. Not because she did not want the ship to crash on her island, but because this song caused her so much pain. She tried to resist. She tried to keep it down, push it back down into the depths of her lungs. But it forced its way out, as it always did. The sound came up and pried her jaw open. And she began to sing. The notes, warm and golden, came spilling out. They traveled far and they were strong and they went all the way to the ship through the storm. And the crew members, who had only seconds ago been desperate and distressed, suddenly stopped what they were doing and listened to the beautiful song. They were no longer afraid. Instead, they were hypnotized. The ship was tossed among the waves, headed right for that great gate of rocks that protected her home. With two great beats of her long, strong arms, she lifted herself into the sky to watch from above. As she flew, she kept singing. The song poured out of her like fire from a dragon's mouth. Within minutes, the ship had brutally crashed against another one, an ancient shipwreck from centuries before. The two ships shattered like glass, huge pieces of wood flying in different directions, and they both disappeared into the sea soon enough, Surely the crew hadn't survived the crash, but if any of them did, the monster would be there to greet them on the shore and make them pay for disturbing her slumber. The storm began to calm itself, and the water grew still. The rain still came in light drops, gentle now. She watched the great vessel disappear under the surface of the waves. And then, nothing. She stopped singing. But then, she saw something. A small, alive something struggling in the water and coming up for breath. Someone had survived. She bared her inky black teeth in a vicious snarl, furious. She landed on her island, her immense feathered arms flung back behind her. She stood, tall and proud and strong, and ready for a fight. Let them come. Let them come to her. Let her show them what she did to those who wronged her what she wished she could have done all those many years ago, when what she didn't want to remember happened to her. She sang again. The sailor, or whoever it was, immediately seemed to calm down, no longer drowning. They moved now with graceful, powerful kicks of their legs, swimming to the shore easily despite a little difficulty in their arms following the sweet woman's voice they thought they heard. When they reached the shore, the monster saw the person. Dressed in the rags of a man's shirt and trousers, long hair hung in wet strings over their face, barely revealing one eye, and their hands chained together. A prisoner of some kind. She kept singing, The prisoner walked toward her. The monster flexed the talons on the ends of her wings, and the ones on each of her six toes. She clenched her jaw, prepared to defend her island, to defend herself. She kept singing. The prisoner walked toward her still, and only stopped when they were a few feet away. She stopped singing. This was the point when men would usually scream or cry out at the hideous sight of her, or bring up their sword, or run away. But, instead, this prisoner said, Could you help me out of these chains? It was a voice that was light and gentle, Hesitant and shaking, though unsure why, our monster took a great claw and swiped it through the chains. The prisoner immediately clasped their wrists and pushed her hair out of her face. She was young. She was afraid, too. Just like the monster was all those years ago. Thank you, she said and she looked at her liberator. The monster's brow arched, and her eyes were confused. Her mouth trembled. She hadn't seen a woman in so long. She hadn't remembered what it felt like to not be afraid of someone. The girl looked the monster up and down. She looked at the island. She looked at the ships stuck in the rocks. Are you all alone? She asked. The monster did not answer. She had not used words in a very long time. She had not spoken with someone. She only sang. But she trembled. She snarled. Her claws threatened to slash. Her teeth threatened to bite. But her eyes were confused. They were moist. And they seemed to be just a little less empty now. And when they looked at the girls' wrists and the manacles on them and the bruises caused by those manacles, they filled with rage again. For, you see, the girl in chains was a stowaway. She was trying to escape her home. She disguised herself, but she got caught. The story was too familiar and too horrible. The monster lifted her head to the sky and warbled a terrible roar that echoed all across the sea. Her wings stretched out to their full span, twice the span of her height, which was formidable enough in and of itself birds in the trees on the island flew away at the horrible cry that lasted far too long and when she couldn't cry any more the girl in chains simply said in a small tired voice i know and the monster dropped her great wings her arms to her sides and tears fell down her face and for the first time in a very long time she began to weep and it was a very, very human sound. The girl put her arms around the monster and held her as she wept. Some of the feathers fell off Some of the scales shed themselves. But some of the feathers, perhaps about half of them, began to sprout on the girl in the chains. Her arms were just a bit longer. She was a bit taller. And her body began to cover itself in black scales, too. Her feet changed into talons. Not quite as bird-like and frightful as the monsters. But neither were the monsters anymore. The girl, you see, became half of a monster now. She was taking it from the monster. Half of this terrible burden... And the monster became half of a girl again. Her body adjusted to its new lightness and humanity. It remembered its former vulnerability and joy. The girl learned the ancient song. And the monster learned a new one. friends. That has to be the end of my story today. My little home is crumbling. All around me will soon be nothing but dust and debris if I don't leave soon. I will. I will. I must. Because I can't give up. I can't give up my freedom. I can't give in and follow someone else again. Not now that I've tasted my own guidance. All I have is the strength of my heart. So I suppose I must protect it at all costs. Goodbye, my friends. Find me somewhere peaceful again next week. Hello, friends. Thank you so, so much for tuning in this week and listening to episode 64 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen here. If you don't know me, I'm the writer, host, producer, etc. for this podcast. I hope you liked this one. If you want to reach out or keep in the loop with the show, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night. Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and I have a Facebook page and YouTube channel by the name of the podcast itself. Feel free to give me a follow and a shout out. I'm pretty good at shouting back. If you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes, or if not iTunes, then Stitcher or our Facebook page. It really helps us out and I like to read out reviews and recommendations in this section of the show, so you may just hear a shout out to you on air. Another way you can help is to donate to the show on Patreon. If you do, any amount pledged monthly will give you access to my soundtrack, which is in a link that I update every week. You can find me there at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Or you can donate one time with no perks at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. That's coffee.com slash darkcoldnight, where you can buy me a coffee. I'd be sure to shout you out on social media and on air, too, if possible. Another way to help out is to listen to the show on the free Radio Public app, where every listen works towards me as a podcaster being paid for my work. This is a really awesome thing that benefits both of us. If you're able to check us out there, that'd be fantastic. Also, I have t-shirts and hoodies for the show available if you want some wearable merch. Uh, you can take a look at bonfire.com on a dash dark cold night. Thank you so much for tuning in for another week, my friends. I really appreciate the support, and I hope you get as much out of listening to my stories as I do writing them. Have a wonderful week, and catch you next time. Good night, my friends.